Book two, chapter four of Bradford's History of the Plymouth Settlement, sixteen o eight to sixteen fifty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Bradford's History of the Plymouth Settlement, sixteen o eight to sixteen fifty, by William Bradford, rendered into modern English by Harold Paget. Book two, chapter four. It may be thought strange that the Weston colony should have fallen into such extremity in so short a time, being fully provided when the ship left them, in addition to their share of the corn which was got by trade, besides much that they got by one means or another from the Indians where they lived. It must needs have been their lack of order, spending excessively whilst they had it, and maybe wasting part among the Indians, for the chief man amongst them was said to keep Indian women. How truly I know not." then when they began to want many sold their clothes and bed coverings others so depraved were they became servants to the indians cutting them wood and fetching them water for a cap full of corn others fell to plain stealing from the indians of which they complained grievously in the end some starved and died with cold and hunger one in gathering shellfish was so weak he stuck fast in the mud and was found dead in the place at last most of them left their dwellings, and scattered up and down in the woods and by the waterside, a few here and a few there, wherever they could find ground nuts and clams. The Indians scorned them for such conduct, and began to insult them in a most insolent manner. Often when they were cooking a pot of ground nuts or shellfish, when it was ready the Indians would come and eat it up, and at night they would come and steal the blankets from such few as had them, and let them lie in the cold. Their condition was very lamentable, and in the end, in order to satisfy the Indians, they were obliged to hang one of their men whom they could not keep from stealing. While things went on thus, the governor and the people here had noticed that their friend Massasoit was sick, and near to death. They visited him, and took whatever they could to relieve him, and he recovered. He then discovered a conspiracy amongst the Indians of Massachusetts, and other neighboring tribes with whom they had conspired, to wipe out Mr. Weston's people, in revenge for the continual injuries they did them, taking opportunity of their weakness to do it and believing that the people at New Plymouth would avenge their death, they decided to do the same by them, and had solicited Massasoit to join them. He advised the New Plymouth settlement to prevent it, by speedily capturing some of the chief of the conspirators before it was too late, for he assured them of the truth of it. This troubled them much, and they took it into serious deliberation, and upon examination found other evidence too long to relate. In the meantime one of Mr. Weston's people came from Massachusetts, with a small pack on his back, and though he did not know a foot of the way, he got here safe. He lost his way, which was well for him, for, though pursued, he was missed. He told them here how everything stood among them, and that he dared stay no longer. He believed, by what he observed, they would all be knocked on the head shortly. So the people at New Plymouth made the more haste, and they dispatched a boat with Captain Standish and some men, who found them in a miserable condition out of which he rescued them, and killed some few of the chief conspirators among the Indians, and according to his order offered to bring the remnant of the Weston settlement here if they thought well, in which case they should fare no worse than the colonists themselves, till Mr. Weston or some supplies came to them or, if they preferred any other course, he was to give them any assistance he could. 
they thanked him but most of them begged he would give them some corn so that they could go with their small ship to the eastward where they might hear of mr weston or get some supplies from him since it was the time of the year for the fishing ships to be out if not they would work among the fishermen for their living and get their passage back to england if they heard nothing from mr weston in the meantime so he put aboard what they had and he got them all the corn he could scarcely leaving enough to bring himself home and saw them well out of the bay under sail at sea then he came back not accepting a penny worth of anything from them i have but touched these things briefly because they have been published in print more completely already this was the end of those who at one time boasted of their strength all able healthy men and what they would do in comparison with the people here who had many women and children and weak ones among them and who had said on their first arrival when they saw the want here that they would take a very different course and not to fall into any such condition as these simple people had come to but a man's way is not in his own hands god can make the weak to stand let him also that standeth take heed lest he fall shortly after when he heard of the ruin and destitution of his colony mr weston came over with some of the fishermen under another name and disguised as a blacksmith he got a boat and with a man or two came to see how things were there but on the way ashore he was caught in a storm and his shallop was sunk in the bay between merrimac river and piscataqua and he barely escaped with his life afterwards he fell into the hands of the indians who robbed him of all he had saved from the wreck and stripped him of all his clothes to his shirt at last he got to piscataqua and borrowed a suit of clothes and so came to new plymouth a strange alteration there was in him to such as had seen him in his former flourishing condition so uncertain are the mutable things of this unstable world and yet men set their hearts upon them though they daily see their vanity after many arguments and much discourse former troubles boiling in his mind and rankling there as was discerned he asked to borrow some beaver from them and told them he had hopes that a ship with good supplies was on its way to him and that then they should have anything they stood in need of they gave little credit to his report of supplies but pitied his condition and remembered former courtesies they pointed out to him their own wants and said they did not know when they might get any supplies he well knew also how the case stood between them and the adventurers in england they had not much beaver and if they should let him have it it would be enough to cause a mutiny among the people since there were no other means of procuring the food and clothes which they so much wanted nevertheless they told him they would help him considering his necessity but that it must be done secretly for the above reasons so they let him have one hundred beaver skins which weighed one hundred seventy pounds odd thus they helped him when all the world failed him and with this he went again to the ships and supplied his small ship and some of his men and bought provisions and fitted himself out and it was this supply alone which enabled him to pursue his course thereafter but he requited them ill proving himself a bitter enemy upon every opportunity and never repaying them to this day except in reproaches and calumnies all this while no supplies were heard of nor did they know when they might expect any so they began to consider how to raise more corn and obtain a better crop than they had done so that they might not continue to endure the misery of want at length after much debate the governor with the advice of the chief among them allowed each man to plant corn for his own household and to trust to themselves for that in all other things to go on in the general way as before 
so every family was assigned a parcel of land according to the proportion of their number with that in view for present purposes only and making no division for inheritance all boys and children being included under some family this was very successful it made all hands very industrious so that much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been by any means the governor or any other could devise and saved him a great deal of trouble and gave far better satisfaction the women now went willingly into the field and took their little ones with them to plant corn while before they would allege weakness and inability and to have compelled them would have been thought great tyranny and oppression the failure of this experiment of communal service which was tried for several years and by good and honest men proves the emptiness of the theory of plato and other ancients applauded by some of later times that the taking away of private property and the possession of it in community by a commonwealth would make a state happy and flourishing as if they were wiser than god for in this instance community of property so far as it went was found to breed much confusion and discontent and retard much employment which would have been to the general benefit and comfort for the young men who were most able and fit for service objected to being forced to spend their time and strength in working for other men's wives and children without any recompense the strong man or the resourceful man had no more share of food clothes etc than the weak man who was not able to do a quarter the other could this was thought injustice the aged and graver men who were ranked and equalized in labor food clothes etc with the humbler and younger ones thought it some indignity and disrespect to them as for men's wives who were obliged to do service for other men such as cooking washing their clothes etc they considered it a kind of slavery and many husbands would not brook it this feature of it would have been worse still if they had been men of an inferior class if it was thought all were to share alike and all were to do alike then all were on an equality throughout and one was as good as another and so if it did not actually abolish these very relations which god himself has set among men it did at least greatly diminish the mutual respect that is so important should be preserved amongst them let none argue that this is due to human failing rather than to this communistic plan of life in itself i answer seeing that all men have this failing in them that god in his wisdom saw that another plan of life was fitter for them but to return after this had been settled and their corn was planted in this way all their food supplies were consumed and they had to rely upon god's providence often at night not knowing where to get a bit of anything next day and so as one well observed they had need above all people in the world to pray to god that he would give them their daily bread yet they bore their want with great patience and cheerfulness of spirit and that for upwards of two years which reminds me of what peter martyr writes in praise of the spaniards in his fifth decade page two hundred eight they says he led a miserable life five days together with the parched grain of maize only and concludes that such pains such labor and such hunger he thought none living who was not a spaniard could have endured 
but alas these colonists when they had maize that is indian corn thought it as good as a feast and not only lacked bread for days at a time but sometimes for two or three months continually were without bread or any kind of corn indeed in another place his second decade page ninety four the same writer mentions how some others were even worse put to it and ate dogs toads and dead men and so died almost all from these extremities the lord in his goodness kept these his people and in their great need preserved both their lives and their health let his name have the praise yet let me here make use of the same writer's conclusion which in a manner may be applied to the people of this colony that with their miseries they opened a way to these new lands and after these hardships with what ease other men came to inhabit them owing it to the calamities which these forerunners had suffered so that they who followed seemed to go as it were to a bride feast where all things are provided for them as for fishing having but one boat left and she not very well fitted they were divided into several crews six or seven to a crew who went out with a net they had bought to catch bass and other fish each party taking its turn no sooner was the boat emptied of what she had brought than the next crew took her and went out with her not returning till they had caught something even though it were five or six days for they knew there was nothing at home and to go home empty would be a great disappointment to the rest they tried who could do best if she stayed long or got little then all went to seeking shellfish which at low water they dug out of the sands this was what they lived on in the summer time till god sent them better and in winter there were ground nuts and fowl to help them out in the summer now and then they got a deer one or two of the fittest being told off to hunt in the woods what was got in that way was divided among them at length they received a letter from the adventurers too long and tedious to record here in full which told of their further crosses and frustrations beginning in this manner the adventurers in england to the settlers at new plymouth loving friends as your sorrows and afflictions have been great so our crosses and interruptions in our proceedings here have not been small after we had with much trouble and expense sent the paragon away to sea and thought all the trouble was at an end about fourteen days after she returned leaking dangerously and battered with storms so that she had to be put into dock and have one hundred pounds spent on her all the passengers lay upon our hands for six or seven weeks and much discontent was occasioned but we trust all will be well and result to our mutual advantage if you can wait with patience and have but strength to hold on to life while these things were happening mr weston's ship came and brought various letters from you we rejoice to hear the good reports that many have brought home about you this letter was dated december twenty first sixteen twenty two this ship was brought out by mr john pierce and fitted out at his own expense in hope of doing great things the passengers and goods which the company had sent in her he took aboard as freight arranging to land them here this was the man in whose name the colony's first patent was taken out because of the acquaintance of their friends with him though his name was only used in trust but when he saw that they were settled here thus hopefully and by the success god gave them had obtained the favor of the council of new england he goes to the council as if on behalf of the settlers asks them for another patent much more extensive which he thus easily obtained 
but he meant to keep it to himself and allow the colonists what he pleased to grant them as his tenants and sue to the courts as chief lord as will appear by what follows but the lord prevented him for after the first return of the ship and the expenses above mentioned when she was fitted again he takes in more passengers and those not very good to try and meet his losses and sets out a second time but what the result was will appear in another letter from one of the chief members of the company dated ninth of april sixteen twenty three written to the governor here as follows loving friend when i sent my last letter i hoped to have received one from you by this time though when i wrote in december i little thought i should see mr john pierce till he brought tidings of you but it pleased god that he brought us only the woeful tidings of his return driven back by violent storms when he was halfway over wherein the goodness and mercy of god appeared in sparing their lives in all one hundred nine souls the loss is great to mr pierce and the company is put to great expense at last with great trouble and loss we have got mr john pierce to assign to the company the grand patent which he had taken in his own name the former grant being made void i am sorry to write that many here think that the hand of god was justly against him both the first and second time of his return for it appears that he whom you and we so confidently trusted only to use his name for the company should actually aspire to be supreme over us all and to make you and us tenants at his will and pleasure our patent having been annulled by his means i desire to judge charitably of him but his unwillingness to part with his royal lordship and the high rate he put it at which was five hundred pounds it cost him fifty pounds makes many speak hardly of him the company are out for goods in his ship with expense of passengers six hundred forty pounds we have hired from two merchants a ship of one hundred forty tons called the anne which is to be ready at the last of this month to bring sixty passengers and sixty tons of goods this is their own judgment of the man's proceedings i thought it better to describe them in their words than my own yet though no other compensation was got from him than the reversion of this patent and the shares he had in the adventure he was never quiet but sued them in the chief courts of england and when he was still frustrated brought it before parliament but he is now dead and i will leave him to the lord this ship was in greater extremity at sea during her second attempted passage than one could often hear of without being wrecked as i have been informed by mr william pierce who was then captain of her and by many others who were passengers on her it was about the middle of february the storm lasted for fourteen days altogether but for two or three days and nights continuously it was of fearful violence after they had cut down their mast their roundhouse and all their upper works were swept away three men had all they could do to keep the helm and the man who held the ship before the wind was obliged to be bound fast to prevent him from washing away the seas so overraked them that many times those on the deck did not know whether they were within board or without and once she was so foundered in the sea that they all thought she would never rise again but yet the lord preserved them and brought them at last safe to portsmouth to the wonder of all who saw what a state she was in and heard what they had endured 
about the latter end of june there arrived a ship with captain francis west commissioned to be admiral of new england to restrain interlopers and such fishing ships as came to fish and trade without a license from the council of new england for which rights they were to be made to pay a substantial sum of money but he could do no good with them they were too strong for him and he found the fishermen stubborn fellows and their owners upon complaint made to parliament procured an order that fishing should be free he told the governor they spoke with a ship at sea and were aboard her which was coming to this settlement in which there were several passengers he wondered she had not arrived and feared some mischance for they parted company in a storm shortly after they had been aboard this report filled them with fear though they still had hopes the captain of this ship had some two hogshead of peas to sell but seeing their need he held them at nine pounds sterling a hogshead and would not take under eight pounds and yet he wanted to buy their beaver at less than the market rate so they told him they had lived so long without they would do so still rather than give such an unreasonable price so he went on to virginia about fourteen days after the ship called the anne arrived of which mr william pierce was captain and about a week or ten days later came the pinnace which they had lost in foul weather at sea a fine new vessel of about forty-four tons which the company had built to stay in the country they brought about sixty settlers for the colony some of them very useful persons who became good members to the body and some were the wives and children of those who were here already some of the new settlers were so unruly that they were obliged to go to the expense of sending them home again the next year besides these there were a number who did not belong to the general body but came on their own resources and were to have lands assigned to them to work for themselves but subject to the general government this caused some differences as will appear i shall here again take the liberty to insert a few things out of letters which came in this ship desiring to give account of things in their own words as much as may be robert cushman in england to the settlers at new plymouth beloved friends i kindly salute you all with trust of your healths and welfare i am sorry that no supplies have been sent to you all this time and in explanation i must refer you to our general letters nor have we now sent you all that we would for want of money but there are people more than enough though not all who are fit to go for people come flying in upon us but money comes creeping in some few of your old friends have come so they come dropping to you and by degrees i hope ere long you will enjoy them all as people are pressing so hard upon us to go and often they are none of the fittest i pray you write earnestly to the treasurer and direct what persons should be sent it grieves me to see so weak a company sent you and yet had i not been here they would have been weaker you must still call upon the company here to see that honest men are sent you and threaten to send back others in no way are we in such danger as from corrupt and disorderly persons such and such came without consent but the importunity of their friends got our treasurer's word in my absence there is no need why we should take lewd men for we have honest men enough your assured friend r c thirteen of the adventurers in england to the settlers at new plymouth loving friends we most heartily salute you in all love and hearty affection hoping that the same god who has hitherto preserved you in such a marvellous manner continues your lives and health to his own praise and all our comforts we are very sorry that you have not been sent to all this time 
we have in this ship sent such women as were willing and ready to go to their husbands and friends with their children we would not have you discontented because we have not sent you more of your old friends and especially him on whom you most depend john robinson far be it from us to neglect you or slight him but as the original intent was so the results shall show that we will deal fairly and squarely answer your expectations to the full there also come to you some honest men to settle near you on their own account which if we had not allowed would have been to wrong both them and you them by inconveniencing them and you because being honest they will be a support to the place and good neighbors to you in regard to these private planters we have made two stipulations first the trade in skins is to be confined to the colonists till the dividends secondly while they may settle near you it shall be at such distance as is neither inconvenient to the apportionment of your lands nor to your easily assembling together in case of need we have sent you several fishermen with salt we have sent you various other provisions as will appear in your bill of lading and though we have not sent all we would because our cash is small it is what we could although as it seems you have discovered many more rivers and fertile grounds than where you are since by god's providence the place fell to your lot let it be accepted as your portion and rather fix your eyes upon what may be done there than languish in hope after things elsewhere if your sight is not the best it is the better because you will be envied or encroached upon less and such as are earthly minded will not settle too near your border if the land afford you bread and the sea yield you fish rest you awhile contented god will one day grant you better fare and all men shall know that you are neither fugitives nor discontents but can if god so order it take the worst to yourselves with content and leave the best to your neighbors with cheerfulness let it not grieve you that you have been instruments to break the ice for others who come after with less difficulty the honor shall be yours to the world's end we bear you always in our breasts and our hearty affection is towards you all as are the hearts of hundreds more who have never seen your faces but who doubtless pray for your safety as their own as we do and ever shall that the same god which has so marvellously preserved you from seas foes and famine will still preserve you from all future dangers and make you honourable among men and glorious in bliss at the last day and so the Lord be with you all, and send us joyful news of you, and enable us with one shoulder so to accomplish and perfect this work, that much glory may come to him that confoundeth the mighty by the weak, and maketh small things great, to whose greatness be all glory for ever and ever. This letter was subscribed with thirteen of their names. The passengers, when they saw the poor condition of those ashore, were much daunted and dismayed, and according to their different characters were differently affected. Some wished themselves in England again, others began weeping, fancying what their own misery would be from what they saw before them. Others pitied the distress they saw their friends had been in so long, and still were under. In a word, all were full of sadness some few of their old friends rejoiced to see them again and to know it was no worse with them for they could not expect it to be better and hoped that now they would enjoy better days together and it was certainly not unnatural that the new arrivals should be thus affected for the settlers were in very poor case many were ragged in apparel and some little better than half naked though some few who were well stocked before were well enough clothed 
but as for food they were all alike except some who had got a few peas from the ship that was last here the best dish they could present to their friends was a lobster or a piece of fish without any bread or anything else but a cup of fair spring water the long continuance of this diet and their labors had somewhat abated the freshness of their complexions but god gave them health and strength and showed them by experience the truth of that word deuteronomy eight three man liveth not by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the lord doth a man live when i think how sadly the scripture speaks of the famine in jacob's time when he said to his sons go buy us food that we may live and not die genesis forty two two and forty three one and that the famine was great in the land and yet they had such great herds of cattle of various kinds which besides meat produces other foods such as milk butter and cheese etc and yet it was counted a sore affliction when we think of this then we see that the affliction of these settlers must have been very great who not only lacked the staff of life but all these things and had no egypt to go to but god fed them out of the sea for the most part so wonderful is his providence over his in all ages for his mercy endureth for ever now the original settlers were afraid that their corn when it was ripe would have to be shared with the newcomers and that the provisions which the latter had brought with them would give out before the year was over as indeed they did so they went to the governor and begged him that as it had been agreed that they should sow their corn for their own use and accordingly they had taken extraordinary pains about it they might be left to enjoy it they would rather do that than have a bit of the food just come in of the ship they would wait till harvest for their own and let the newcomers enjoy what they had brought they would have none of it except what they could purchase by bargain or exchange their request was granted them and it satisfied both sides for the newcomers were much afraid the hungry settlers would eat up the provisions they had brought and then that they would fall into like conditions of want the ship was laden in a short time with clabbered by the help of many hands they also sent in her all the beaver and other furs they had and mr winslow was sent over with her to give information and to procure such things as were required harvest time had now come and then instead of famine god gave them plenty and the face of things was changed to the rejoicing of the hearts of many for which they blessed god and the effect of their particular planting was well seen for all had one way or another pretty well to bring the year about and some of the abler sort and more industrious had to spare and sell to others in fact no general want or famine has been amongst them since to this day those that came on their own venture looked for greater things than they found or could attain to such as building great houses in pleasant situations as they had fancied as if they could be great men and rich all of a sudden but they proved castles in the air the following were the conditions agreed on between the colony and them one that the governor in the name and with the consent of the company embraces and receives them in all love and friendship and is to allot them competent places for habitations within the town and promises to show them all such other courtesies as shall be reasonable for them to desire or us to perform two that they on their parts be subject to all such laws and orders as are already made or hereafter shall be made for the public good three that they be free and exempt from the general employments of the said company which their present condition of community requires except common defence and such other employments as tend to the perpetual good of the colony 
4. Towards the maintenance of government and public officers of the said colony, every male above the age of sixteen years shall pay a bushel of Indian wheat, or the worth of it, into the common store. 5. That according to the agreement the merchants made with them before they came, they are to be debarred from all trade with the Indians for all sorts of furs and such like commodities, till the time of the communality be ended. About the middle of September Captain Robert Gorges arrived in the Bay of Massachusetts, with sundry passengers and families, intending to begin a plantation there, and pitched upon the place that Mr. Weston's people had forsaken. He had a commission from the Council of New England to be Governor-General of the country, and they appointed for his counsel and assistance Captain Francis West, the admiral aforementioned, Christopher Levitt, Esquire, and the Governor of New Plymouth for the time being, etc. They also gave him authority to choose such other as he should see fit. Also they gave, by their commission, full power to him and his assistants, or any three of them, whereof himself was always to be one, to do and execute what should seem to them good, in all cases capital, criminal, and civil, etc., with various other instructions. Of these and also his commission, it pleased him to let the governor here take a copy. He gave them notice of his arrival by letter, but before they could visit him he went eastward with the ship he came in, but a storm got up, and as they lacked a good pilot to harbor them there, they bore up for this harbor. He and his men were kindly entertained here, and stayed fourteen days. In the meantime Mr. Weston arrived with his small ship, which he had now recovered. Captain Gorges, who informed the governor here that one purpose of his going east was to meet with Mr. Weston, took this opportunity to call him to account for some abuses he had to lay to his charge. Whereupon he called Weston before him and some other of his assistants, with the governor of this place, and charged him first with the ill carriage of his men in Massachusetts, by which means the peace of the country had been disturbed, and he himself and the people he had brought over to settle there were much prejudiced. To this Mr. Weston easily answered that what had been done was in his absence, and might have befallen any one. He left them sufficiently provided, and supposed they would be well governed, for any error committed he had sufficiently smarted. This particular charge was passed by. The second charge was of a wrong done towards his father, Sir Ferdinand Gorges, and to the state. The offense was this. Mr. Weston had used him and others of the Council of New England to procure him a license for the purchase and transportation to New England of many pieces of great ordnance, on the plea of great fortifications in this country, etc. Having obtained them, he went and sold them beyond the seas for his private profit, at which, he said, the state had been much offended, and his father had been sharply rebuked, and he had order to apprehend him for it. Mr. Weston excused it as well as he could, but could not deny it, it being the main reason why he had left England. But after much argument, by the mediation of the governor and some other friends here, he was inclined to be lenient, though he foresaw the vexation of his father. When Mr. Weston saw this he grew more presumptuous, and made such provoking and cutting speeches, that the governor-general rose up in great indignation and distemper, and vowed that he would either curb him or send him home to England. At which Mr. Weston was somewhat daunted, and came privately to the governor here, to know whether he would allow him to be apprehended. 
he was told they could not prevent it and blamed him much that after having pacified things he should again break out and by his own folly and rashness bring trouble upon himself and them too he confessed it was his temper and prayed the governor to intercede for him and smooth things if he could at last he did so with much ado so he was summoned again and the governor-general consented to accept his own bond to be ready to make further answer when either he or the lords should send for him finally he took only his word and there was a friendly parting on all hands but after he had gone mr weston in lieu of thanks to the governor and his friends here gave them this quip behind their backs for all their pains that though they were but young justices they were good beggars thus they parted for the time and shortly after the governor took his leave and went to massachusetts by land very grateful for his kind entertainment the ship stayed here and fitted herself to go to virginia having some passengers to deliver there and with her there returned several of those who had come over privately some from discontent and dislike of the country others because of a fire that broke out burning the houses they lived in and all their provisions the fire was caused by some of the seamen who were roistering in a house where it first began it being very cold weather they had made a great fire which broke out of the chimney and set alight the thatch and burnt down three or four houses and all the goods and provisions in them the house in which it began was right against the common storehouse in which were all their provisions and they had much difficulty in saving it if it had been lost the plantation would have been ruined but through god's mercy it was saved by the great efforts of the people and the care of the governor and some about him some advised that the goods be thrown out but then there would have been much stolen by the rough crews of the two ships who were almost all ashore but a reliable company was placed within so that if necessity required they could have got them all out with speed and others with wet cloths and other means kept off the fire outside for they suspected some malicious dealing if not plain treachery though whether it was only suspicion or no god knows but this is certain that when the tumult was greatest a voice was heard from whom it was not known that bid them look well about them for all were not friends near them and shortly after when the worst of the fire was over smoke was seen to rise from a shed adjoining the end of the storehouse which was wattled up with boughs the withered leaves of which had caught fire those who ran to put it out found a large firebrand about a yard long lying under the wall on the inside which could not possibly have come there by accident but must have been put there intentionally as all thought who saw it but god kept them from this danger whatever was intended shortly after captain gorges the governor-general had got home to massachusetts he sent a warrant to arrest mr weston and his ship and sent a seaman to sail her thither and one captain hansen of his suite to be in charge of him the governor and others were very sorry to see him take this course and took exceptions to the warrant as not legal or sufficient and wrote to him to dissuade him from this course showing him that he would but entangle and burden himself by doing this and that he could not do mr weston a better turn as things now stood with him for he had a great many men in his service in the ship to whom he was deeply in debt for wages and that he was practically out of provisions and winter was at hand for all of which captain gorges would be responsible if he arrested his ship in the meantime mr weston had notice to shift for himself 
but it was supposed that he did not know where to go or how to better himself but was rather glad of the issue and so did not move but the governor-general would not be dissuaded and sent a very formal warrant under his hand and seal with strict orders as they would answer for it to the state he also wrote that he had better considered things since he was here and he could not answer for it to let him go besides other things that had come to his knowledge since which mr weston must account for so he was allowed to proceed but he found in the end that what had been told him was true for when an inventory was taken of what was in the ship food was found sufficient for only fourteen days at a bare allowance and not much else of any worth and the men clamoured so for wages and rations in the meantime that he was soon weary so in conclusion it turned to his loss and the expense of his provisions and towards the spring they came to an agreement after they had been east and the governor-general restored him his vessel again and made satisfaction in biscuit and meal and such like provisions for what he had used of his or what had been wanted or consumed so mr weston came here again and afterwards shaped his course for virginia and so for the present i shall leave him he died afterwards at bristol at the time of the war of the sickness there the governor-general and some of his suite soon returned to england having scarcely saluted the country put under his government as he did not find the state of things here correspond to his station and way of life the people dispersed some went to england others to virginia some few remained and were helped with supplies from here the governor-general had brought over a minister of religion with him one mr morrell who about a year after his return took shipping from here he had i know not what power and authority of superintendence over other churches granted him and sundry instructions to that end but he never showed it or made use of it it seems he saw it was in vain and he only spoke of it to some here at his departure this was the end of the second settlement there this year there were also some scattered beginnings made in other places as at piscataqua by mr david thompson at monaghan and some other places by several others it remains now for me to speak a word about the pinnace mentioned before sent by the adventurers to be employed in the country she was a fine vessel and bravely fitted out but i fear the adventurers were over proud of her for she had ill success however they made a great mistake about two things in her first though she had a competent master she was badly manned and all the crew were upon shares and none were to receive any wages but the captain secondly though mainly busied with trade they had sent nothing of any value to trade with when they came over they received bad advice from mr weston and others of the same stamp until neither the captain nor the governor could control them for they declared that they were abused and deceived that they were told they would sail as a man of war and take i know not whom french spaniards etc they would neither trade nor fish without wages in fine they would obey no orders of the captain and it was feared they would either make away with the vessel or get off on the other ships and abandon her so mr pierce and other friends persuaded the governor to change their conditions and give them wages which was accordingly done then the vessel was sent about the cape to the narragansetts to trade but they made a poor voyage of it they got some corn and beaver but the dutch had been used to trade with cloth and better commodities and these had only a few beads and knives which were not valued by the indians 
on her return home at the very entrance into her own harbor she was almost wrecked in a storm and was forced to cut her mainmast by the board to save herself from driving on to the flats that lie outside called brown islands the force of the gale being so great that her anchors gave way and she was being driven right upon them but when her mast and tackling were gone they were able to hold her till the wind shifted end of book two chapter four